All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrea Lemoines. Um, I work for the Free Library of Philadelphia, and welcome to Story Search from Special Collections. This is a podcast series exploring stories based on, inspired by, or connected to material artifacts um, here at the Free Library of Philadelphia. Um, usually, this would, be, this would be hosted by myself and my coworker, Joe, and I'm going to be honest, we've had some technical difficulties, so we'll be missing Joe today. Hope you're doing well, Joe Shintoff. Um, this is our first season, and it is dedicated to stories connected to the Free Library of Philadelphia. Today's program is focusing on the Souls Shot Portraits of Victims of Gun Violence art exhibition um, on display at Logan Library. And yes, we know due to COVID, the library is closed, but we'll talk about how you can access and see the collection in many other ways soon. This exhibition pairs artists with the family and friends of those who have unfortunately died due to, gun, due to gun violence in our city. Artists meet with family and friends of the deceased in an attempt to capture in portrait the unique qualities of these wonderful souls that we very much miss who have gone, but they are not forgotten. Today, we're speaking to some of the artists, family members, and community organizers involved with this amazing exhibition. You can visit their website and learn more about this amazing organization at soulsshotportraitproject.org. Um, and feel free to definitely go through all of the information they have on the website. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I wanna welcome everyone to the show. Um, and actually something, there's quite a few people on here. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation we're getting ready to have because there's some wonderful souls on here. And I'm gonna ask folks if they can just introduce themselves really quickly and then we'll get into the conversation. So first, can I have Anne? Yes, my name is Ann Hartzell. I'm on the board of directors of Soul Shot um, and one of the artists. Great, thanks for being with us, Ann. And then we have Alisa. Hi, my name's Alisa Abeloff and I'm an artist who's participated in Soul Shot for the last exhibition, the one that's at the library and the, the current exhibition this year's. Great, thanks for joining us, Alisa. And next we have Shahada. Hi, my name is Shahada Abdul-Rashid, and I will be co-facilitating a book club, a tween, uh, preteen book club at the Logan Library, and I will also be facilitating a community healing circle. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Shahada. And next we have Sonia. Yes, hello. My name is Sonia Dixon. I am a survivor. I have uh, two grandchildren that was lost to gun violence. Thank you for joining us today, Sonia. And then we have Laura. Hi, I'm Laura Madeline, and I'm the executive director of the Soul Shot Portrait Project, and also one of the artists. Wonderful. And last but not least, we have Catherine. My name is Catherine Martin. I'm the adult and teen librarian at the Logan branch of the Free Library in North Central Philadelphia. Great. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us. This was um, a really important podcast for us because it covers such, such a really heartfelt and difficult topic in our city. As we all know, Philadelphia, the city, entire city, suffers from 
gun violence. It affects all of us. And so the exhibition you have in the library is just wonderful. And we wanted to make sure that we got um, the information out to the community to make sure they knew more about the organization and the exhibition. So Laura, could you tell us a little bit more about the nonprofit and the work that you all do? Yeah, I can start with a little history. Um, yeah, that'd be great. This, it's, uh, it started off back in actually 2016. Um, the idea of supporting communities that are affected by gun violence and we put a call out to artists and invitation to families or friends of uh, people who had experienced gun violence and we just randomly paired the artists with a family member or friend and had them get to know uh, as best they could the person that they were going to be making a portrait of and um, the exhibition was about 30, the first exhibition was about 30 portraits, uh, very, very different from each other as, as are the ones right now in Logan mm -hmm. Library. Um, and it, it was a resounding success in that um, it was, it's a, it's a very powerful experience to see all these portraits. And I, I like, sometimes I think of I think of the exhibitions themselves as as an artwork, and when people see it, it has it has an effect on on the viewers who have never you know never experienced gun violence, and it also has uh, an, um, a very positive effect for the families who you know have the have it's it's a it's a memorializing and humanizing mm, mm -hmm. their family members and you know that seldom happens when we hear all these uh, when we hear news reports of the daily gun violence so mm -hmm. um i'm kind of losing my track here but oh, anyway so it started it started it was supposed to be an exhibition that was going to be up for a month and the response was so great that here we are 5 years later I think Anne, uh, Anne is a great one to speak about this because she, she just took the call to be an artist for that first exhibition without really knowing what, what she was getting into. And it's, I think it's fair to say, and Anne, you can speak for yourself, but it changed her life. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that, Anne, because I do feel, thank you so much, Laura, because I do feel um, something that Laura said really hit me in that so few of these deaths, so few of the people, the souls are memorialized. Um, especially this year, just being 2020, there's been such a national uprising in response to the deaths of members of the Black community at the hands of still gun violence. And we have seen so many artists memorialize um, many of those souls and to Think about all the other people who are not being memorialized. I think this project speaks so much to what we're all experiencing and the transformative power of the arts. So yeah, Anne, if you could speak more about how Laura said how this, this affected you working on this project. Yes, I joined uh, Soul Shot. I answered a call for artists, not really having any idea what I was getting myself into and certainly not thinking I was getting myself into what this has ended up being for me. The first portrait I did um, connected me with um, 
Mavita Johnson Harrell, who is um, an activist um, against gun violence, that kind of introduced me to really a large community of women, uh, most of whom have had or have been involved now with soul shots. They have had portraits done um, of their loved one. Mm -hmm. um, that is how I know Sonia. So I also did a portrait. Uh, I did two portraits for the first um, the first edition of Soul Shot. Um, one was for Yulia Robbins, mm. who is another mother who has lost her son um, and has helped create a community um, of Sonia. I will pass this off to Sonia, too, because she is also one of those moms mm -hmm. um, who hit the streets um, when it's non-COVID anyway, um, you know, looking for solutions for gun violence, um, trying to find their sons or grandsons murderers. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, I have found that the community that Soul Shot ha has in a way brought together is one of the strongest things we actually have done is connect these mothers and families mm -hmm. to each other. So mm. They know that there are other people going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And they have each other to support. Now that's something Sonia could speak to, whether I'm right about that or not. <laughs> yeah, I'm I think it was uh, that you were spot on. Um, it. I'm not. I'm not only a, a victim. I feel like um, I am a survivor, and mm. I just had to. I could not just stay there. Um, I had to try to turn my pain into a purpose, mm -hmm. and that was to try to help other mothers and grandmothers and whoever who's affected by this. Um, it's it's a club that I wouldn't invite anyone into. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's, it's something that I have to live with for the rest of my life, dealing with this, this grief and this pain. And, and that's the thing that I, I would like young people to understand because you have an opportunity to think before you act. Mm. They don't, you don't know the devastation on the other side. I think that's where the problem comes in. At. Mm -hmm. So many people don't know what we are left with. And it's not just the devastation of us losing our child to gun violence, but the devastation of your child taking another person's life. Mm -hmm. That's not a thing for a family either. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with the fact that your child did something, a child that you brought into this world that you would never think would stoop to that low. Then you have to deal with the fact that 
they may be put away for the rest of their lives. Mm. So then there's two lives lost. And for what? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, you know, it, I, how can I put this and make it make sense? I, I had to try to fight back, but it wasn't just to get justice for my boys mm -hmm. because I know my justice is going to come from the Lord. Um, what a lot of mothers is experiencing right now is that they're going to court mm -hmm. and they're not getting the time in which they feel as though they should get. Well, it doesn't matter how much time the person gets for taking your loved one. It's never going to be enough for you. That's number one. Because mm. it's not going to bring your child there. So what I what I try to do, and I haven't been through it far as being able to face my children's killers. I haven't been there, mm -hmm. you know. I don't know what the forgiveness process would be like for me. I don't know any of that. But I just have to lean on God's word that no matter what, He's going to handle it. And so as far as I'm concerned, that's the only justice that I'm going to be satisfied with is the justice that my God is going to give me. Mm. And I think that's the only thing that any of those mothers would be satisfied with because man's justice is just not going to be. Mm. It's not going to be. And that's why Lisa, I kind of wish she was on here. I don't wanted to seem like I'm saying things without her knowledge, but she's struggling. She's struggling right now because she just went to her child's sentencing mm. and she's very dissatisfied with the time that he was given. But like I said previously, there's no man's justice is not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. Mm. I think, so, yeah, I think Sonia and so many of the other mothers and families are just showing their resolve and the fact that, you know, Sonia talks, talks about, um, you know, other choices for, and the devastation for the, for the shooters, not just the ones being shot. And I think all of, all of the, well, yeah, I would say pretty much all of the families and friends that, that are participating in this project are really dedicated to mm. putting an end to this. And mm -hmm. it takes a lot. It is a really difficult, it's a very difficult thing to do to open yourself up to a stranger, in most cases, to tell them about the life of someone you've lost and and also, frankly, I mean, the, the artists are are left to their own devices to use their own style, their own mediums, their own um, approach. And, you know, the, the, the portrait may not turn out to be what the family expected, but what they understand is that these, these images, these artworks serve as kind of ambassadors for, for um, the people that can't be ambassadors for themselves mm -hmm. and, and for the cause. And, and the families are also showing this amazing 
um, spirit to to keep this going and to reach people in every way that they can. Mm-hmm. And this our project is just is a way to reach to reach people that I think all of us working on it feel is very powerful. And and from from the many 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 people who have experienced the portraits and you know talked to us or written to us afterwards, it, it's a you know, it is a way to reach people that doesn't exist mm-hmm. um, through, you know, hearing statistics or reading statistics or, um, you know, all the, we get so um, numb to hearing about the gory yeah. details. And this is, this is a celebration of their lives. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping that Elisa can talk about the experience she had with Lisa um, Harmon, who was not able to be here today, mm-hmm. because I thought that was a really, interesting uh, elisa when you and lisa spoke when it was at your synagogue uh, yeah you talk about right. right tell us more about that yeah. um just trying to think i i wanted to express also that um i do feel that the way laura has encouraged everyone all the artists to use mm-hmm. their own style and you see all the different um types of portraits actually emphasizes that each of these people is an individual and like deeply Mm. human and with all strengths and weaknesses because the art has that Mm. because all art has that and um i think that's part of the power of of this exhibit um yeah it's a whole other thing with the community another community that starts to get formed is that you know depending on the personalities, I guess, um, the artist and the parent or loved one um, become, they, they form a real relationship because it's a very deep thing mm-hmm. that you're sharing. And in order for an artist to, to try to memorialize someone, they have to, at least my experience, I guess I shouldn't speak <laughs> for art, all of this, but I feel like you have to fall a little bit in love with them. Oh, I love that. Or at least you have to love them. Maybe that's a better way to put it. And then I think there's this mm. bond that happens because, you know, if someone loved your kid, mm-hmm. you love them, right? Right. <laughs> and I think that's what sort of happened between me and Lisa. And when she came and spoke to our synagogue when we had it, um, it's Beth on Israel. Um, in Penn Valley when we had it um, last year um, during Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Day. We had a panel with moms and um, a few artists, a few moms. And um, so then she got to know another woman from our synagogue um, who's been very involved in this kind of work, mm-hmm. Gabby Lipkin. And when I spoke to Lisa today because she was letting me know she couldn't come today because she was still really yeah. having to process yeah. um, the trauma. Um, she said to me, you know, when this is over, the three of us are going to go out. <laughs> you know? And we said, we're going we're gonna to have drinks and we're going to cry yeah. and we're going to laugh. Yeah. You know, and that speaks a lot mm-hmm. to the relationship. Um, so. Yeah, thank you. No, yeah, I don't know what else. You are great. Thank moment, you so but... much for sharing that because I think even um, 
you know, I'll let our listeners know we have a, you know, a pre-recording chat with everyone on here and that the relationships in the community that are coming out of these partnerships are so beautiful. And even before we started this recording, listening to you all talk, it was almost like I could hear the community blooming. Like it's just this transformative process of that involves like grief and healing and art making and like family making. And I think that's such the beauty of this work. It's almost like um, the memorial, the portraits are a reflection of the community and family that you all are building as you're bringing these people together. I just think, yeah, hearing you all, it's just been absolutely amazing so far. And I did want to talk to, um, I know Laura, you, you and Sonia, you were the artist that worked with Sonia. Is that correct? Yes. The memorials. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to hear, you can tell us more about what that process, you know, um, it sounds like, you know, of course, every artist, every family, every memorial is different. Like what did that process of creating this portrait look like for you? Well, um, I met Sonia at the pre, uh, I think it was the second exhibition. And she told me about her grandson, Saki. And, and then um, we, I went to her house and we just looked at lots and lots of photographs and I heard lots of stories. And I think, I think you got his mom on the phone while I was there. Um, I talked to couple of his friends. I talked to his brother briefly. Um, and so, I'm sorry, this is his brother who okay. is in the current exhibition. His brother was shot and killed mm. after I finished the portrait. Oh. Key. His brother Chip mm-hmm. portrait is in the current exhibition, which um, I mean, Sonia's endured more than anybody should have mm, to. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any rate, so um, yeah, we just talked talked about what he was like and um, just pretty much everything from the moment he was born uh, on. And I made some some sketches, and then we met again, and she. I had him uh, with a big smile and she said, well, you know, I, I he was also very um, pensive kind of guy. Mm. So, so what I ended up doing for that portrait um, is I made an interactive uh, portrait that was mounted on a kind of a pedestal thing. So kids could reach it. You could stand up on a step and you could flip between two faces of Zaki and uh and there's a couple of doors that you could open so there was kind of my style is very narrative I have lots of little Mm. symbols and cues and things (laughs) um and the same with with um with Chip when I did his his portrait there's uh his his image appears many times in the in the panel his is not interactive but um and I just, I just want to say that when I met Chip, I, I mean, his, his whole being just reflected 
this the intense sadness at losing mm. his brother mm-hmm. and i don't i'm not even sure he said anything to me i i think he said hello mm-hmm. um and and then when i went back to sonia's to to learn about chip's life you know that was not the person at all he was he was um i should let sonia talk about him but it, just the the stories and i talked was able to talk to his um his one of his daughters mm-hmm. um and he was he was not at all that that you know intensely sad person mm. uh, before before that had happened mm-hmm. if i could just um add into that a little bit um one of the things that struck me when I first met Lisa Harmon to, to learn about her son, Alan, um, who actually went by fresh because he always needed fresh speakers, <laughs> different, <laughs> um, that's uh-huh. what everyone called him, um, was this, I met two of his brothers and, and the level of sadness and, um, you know, just even if, a, if the other brother doesn't die, having a having a family member or a brother die in such an untimely and I don't know, feels to me unfair death um, has an impact on, on those young men too. And I, I have, a, I have a teenage son, so I couldn't help but respond to them as a mom, even though, I mean, they were like, you know, in their early twenties, but they're still kids for me, you know? And um yeah, it just had a big impact on me meeting his brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'd like to add something uh-huh. as well. Um, Anna? Sorry, Ann. So this is Ann. Yeah, sorry, Ann. Um, so one of the portraits that I did, um, I'm not, not going to identify who this person is. I think you'll know why when I finish the story. But um, her son was murdered picking up her daughter at a party. And the daughter has um, suffered from PTSD um, Mm. and all kinds of health issues since then. She blames herself. Mm. The daughter is now in stage four kidney failure. Oh, no is in direct relationship to her stress and the fact that she was, you know, has had to live through this trauma. Mm-hmm. So this is what these people are living with. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I become speechless. I, I, what is there you can say? Mm-hmm. Both of the families I've worked with, um, well, the first one, the son died right around the corner from their house and both, and one of the brothers and mothers were with him as he died, which was sort of a blessing and a curse. They were glad that he had them there, but it's an extreme trauma. And the woman that I've worked with this year, who I think would want her name said, Kathy Bayard, her, her son's name is Tanir, um, heard the gunshots and thought somebody's, you know, somebody's going down and then 
found out, you know, thought, I really hope he's okay. And um, then found out that it had mm. been her son. So. Yeah. Hearing. And lives with guilt of feeling that she couldn't, that she couldn't have um, saved him somehow. And I, now I'm speaking for her, but we've had a lot of conversations and I think, you know, um, she yeah. would want to be represented. Yeah. Thank you for that, Elisa. Thank you. And listening to all of these stories, like I'm hearing in your voices how hearing the experiences, experiencing other people's traumas have been very transformative for all of you. I'm thinking about what, what do you hope people take away, take away with them after they see the exhibitions? Like what, as artists, as family members, what are you hoping that people see and feel when they come to see those artworks? I, I strongly believe that people do not see these portraits without being moved. Mm. And what mm -hmm. we hope that they move towards is, is figuring out how they can help. And we do on our website and, and, you know, when we used to have actual physical exhibitions mm -hmm. at the table of information, we have lists of resources um, and they're resources for people that might need help struggling with grief, but they're also all of the gun violence um, um, awareness and advocacy groups. And um, I think what's important to remember is that we, well, I'll speak for myself, but I think for many of the artists who are, participate in this project, I'm not, um, I'm not good at uh, taking political action or uh, spouting off statistics and, you know, kind of act, acting out in that sort of way. Mm. And I wanted to do something and I had, I was inspired by another artist, um, Daniel Heyman, by an exhibition of his that I saw, which was about a, a group of people with a, a different kind of trauma, but the, the effect was so great. And I just thought if we could do the same thing and focus on the victims of gun violence, it would, it would be very powerful. Mm -hmm. And so we, we are artists and we are, you know, being activists using what we have. And so I hope that people that come to see these exhibitions, first of all, as I said, they, you know, they realize what a, a terrible impact this is having on our communities. Mm -hmm. And then they figure what can they do? What is in there? What are, are their strengths and how they can apply that to to making a change, to putting an end to this. Mm -hmm. Right. And how can, I know with COVID and not being able to see the exhibitions in person as easily as it was before, how can people see the works? How can they access the exhibits? Well, if you, if you go to our website, that's got, um, it's got pretty much everything from, from the very beginning of, of this project. And I was also going to say, when you were speaking about getting a sense of the community of those of us who are participating here today, um, if you go to the website, which is soulsshotportraitproject.org, 
Um, if you look at the videos from from the very beginning, mm -hmm. uh, we have a wonderful uh, filmmaker named John Thornton who um, made uh, from the first, let me see, where are we now for, first, first three exhibitions, he made um, videos during the opening, recep opening uh, reception and program for each of them. And mm -hmm. they include interviews with families and with um, and viewers and artists, and they really do get, give a sense of of what the project is all about. Mm. And there's, um, like I said, there's there's uh, you can see all of the images. So with this fourth exhibition that's up now, uh, there's over well over a hundred, which I also might add is a very small fraction of the people actually affected. But mm -hmm. uh, that's what we have and. You can follow us on all the social media. Uh, it's all there on the website. Great, thank you, Laura. Also, like just thinking about the community, like how growing the community, how can people become um, involved in supporting this project? Either artists, um, families looking to memorialize the loved ones lost, like how can more people become involved? Yeah, again, everything on our website, just um, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, buttons to push for becoming involved either in any of the ways that you just mentioned. And um, we can take donations too, always right. good. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's a lot more information about what, uh, what's actually, what it actually entails uh, to uh, participate as an artist or as a family member. And we have volunteers, again, this is, everything is up in the air with the, pandemic situation mm -hmm. but we have volunteers that help with um physically hanging and moving the exhibition and i should say in in normal times if we ever get there again the exhibitions would travel they would stay in each place about a month sometimes six weeks mm -hmm. and so we were able we are we have been able to reach people um in lots of different venues and each host venue and much like you're doing right now um plans plans events around the exhibition which is really wonderful mm -hmm. um and we've been to well libraries um uh, museums universities art schools art galleries uh, we were at the state capitol twice uh if i'm leaving anything out <laughs> but uh yeah so the idea is to is to have as many people as possible see see the uh, mm -hmm. the actual exhibition. Definitely, and that's thank you so much. That's a great segue into going to talk about more about the exhibition at the library. So I'd love to circle back to Catherine and Shahada. Um, Catherine, you're the librarian at Logan, and Shahada, you are working on a um, some programming there in relationship to this amazing exhibition. Can you both tell us more about that? Sure, thank you so much. Yeah, this is Catherine speaking. Um, and I just wanna say on behalf of all the Logan staff, we're really honored to be hosting the exhibit. Uh, Logan branch head, Lynn Haas was familiar with the project and she worked really hard to bring it to the library and we're grateful for that. Um, the Logan staff, the Logan community have been living and working with exhibit this exhibit now for a few weeks. It was installed on November 2nd. Um, 
And since that date, Logan was open to the public five days a week. And the response to the exhibit was so positive. Um, on election day, our library served as a polling site. And so we literally had hundreds of Logan residents um, masked, socially distanced, and in small boats come through the doors to vote and witness the exhibit. And then since then, people from around Philadelphia have made special trips to our library to see the portraits. Um, members of the Logan community have come in to view it. And then folks who just come into the library to use the computers and pick up materials. Um, and as recently as yesterday, we welcomed activists into the exhibit. And these are individuals that are working on gun violence prevention in the city. Um, in their communities and then through larger, in partnership with organizations um, such as Ceasefire PA here in Philadelphia, which also has a really active um, youth chapter, I want to call it, that um, works with youth as um, really inspiring activists addressing prevention um, around the topic of gun violence. So the, the good news is um, that the exhibit will be sort of on display at the Logan Library indefinitely or maybe through January and February because we have had to take this hiatus from in-person visitors. Um, our physical library spaces are currently closed to comply with the home order, um, but we're really looking forward to welcoming the public back in to see this old shot uh, portrait exhibit in the new year. Um, so in the meantime, we have some virtual programming, and I'll tell you just really briefly about that, and then I want to introduce Shahada. Um, so the sort of the backbone of our virtual programming related to the exhibit will be conversations um, between artists, survivors, loved ones, community activists, and Logan staff, our North Central community organizer, Fred Ginyard, and some of our really dedicated um, Temple University work study students. And those will be recorded conversations posted to the Logan Library Facebook. That's at Free Library of Philadelphia Logan um, and Instagram at Logan Free Library. Um, and then I was also going to encourage people to visit the Soul Shop website as well and their social media, which is very comprehensive and active. Um, and then our youth programming piece is um, primarily a, consists of a book club, a virtual book club for young teens, uh, co-facilitated by my colleague Shahada Abdul-Rashid, and we're trying to uh, engage young people in the conversation. Um, the young people who participate will receive a copy of the book, a set of Legos, some other fun take-home activities. The book that we'll be reading is The Stars Beneath Our Feet by David Barclay Moore, um, and it does tackle the issue of gun violence. Um, and Shahada is the Free Library's community organizer for Southwest Philadelphia, and I had the privilege of working with her last winter she brought a healing circle to tell you more about to Logan in conjunction with one book like Philadelphia and Tony Orange's book, There There, which also deals with the topic of gun violence um, in Oakland, California. 
So I'm really pleased with the opportunity to work with Shahada again. Um, and she's gonna, as we think about the library as like an educational space and Logan Library particularly as a community space, it also has the potential to be a healing space. Um, and these portals have certainly created that potential. So um, I would love for Shahada to, sh to share a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you, Catherine. Hi. Um, thank you. So um, when Catherine approached me to, um, actually Fred Ginyard asked me if I wanted to be a part of a project and when I got to know what the project was about and that I was gonna be working with Catherine and with the community, um, of course I was excited. It's what I love to do. So I'm gonna be helping to co-facilitate the book club and I've, I've read the book um, I've actually, actually, I listened to it on, on audiobook, but I've recently been reading the book and it feels different to actually touch mm. the pages. Mm -hmm. it, you get more, you, you feel more when you actually touch the words on the book. I, I don't know how, but <laughs> it's, it's a thing. I'm sure many librarians um, agree with you, Shahada. Yes. <laughs> And and the book start the stars beneath our feet. It, it's very much um, I love it because it's coming from a different perspective that I think we don't really hear much. Um, like the that kind of young teen preteen um, because people either want to speak more to children or teenagers. But this group of people they're kind of more in between. Um, hence the name tweens. So. I was asked to do the healing circle based on um, things that have been going on in the community. And mm -hmm. um, I was really excited to hear that, you know, this is something that they thought could benefit the community. Um, the, the healing circle that I do, it, it pretty much, it, it creates a safe space or the more accurate description would be a responsible space mm -hmm. because we can't, always guarantee that every uh, space is safe. So we create a responsible space um, because we as human beings, um, it, it's pretty much all about finding what makes us all human. Mm -hmm. It's you know throwing out those differences, but talking about them because we have to acknowledge them because they're real, Yes. but focus on the things that keep us together as opposed to divided. So I think this will be a really like the population that we're going to be working with, these like preteen tweens, um, we don't get to hear from them much. So I will be excited to hear how they are dealing with these things because in the light of Philadelphia and all the kind of like violence and rioting and protesting, I, I think that they don't really have a voice so to uplift their voice so that we mm -hmm. can hear from them because they are, they are important as well. And what they think is important as well as well as their minds are being shaped at this time. Mm. So it's important to kind of get deep into what they're thinking and allow them a space to express themselves. Um, so I'm really excited to, to host the circle and to also co-facilitate the book club. I think that um, a lot of them will be able to really express themselves through the book club mm -hmm. and that'll be kind of segue into the healing circle because I mean, everything's on Zoom now. Everyone's tired of talking on Zoom. 
but I think that once people start opening up, that's a good way to get them more involved and more thinking deeper into how to heal themselves in their community. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much, Fahada. I Hearing you, Catherine, talk, I think it's amazing. I mean, this is why I work at a library is um, how public spaces are so versatile and they could be used, um, you know, with this exhibition, with these programs to create what you said, a responsible space um, for healing and community growth, um, for building community, which is just sounds like everything that all the work that is being done by this amazing group of people on this call are doing. Um, so uh, I have one last question for um, especially everyone involved with Soulshot. I know I'm hearing from all of you, advocacy and fighting to end gun violence is such an important aspect of this work. And there were a few organizations that a few people um, stated before, but I was wondering, is there any um, specific organizations that um, you all partner with or want to talk more about that are really fighting against gun violence in Philadelphia and supporting families who are suffering from the side effects of gun violence? Well, because, because of, this is Elisa, because of um, Soul Shot, we, uh, when our synagogue had um, the exhibit, we actually put it in mm -hmm. our sanctuary and people were extremely moved by it. And pretty much, and, and one of our programs had somebody speak from mm. Ceasefire PA. And also at the um, event where the moms and artists spoke, somebody stood up and sort of said, this is nice, but mm. what are you going to do about it? What what can we do? And so we got really involved. We're, we're partnering with Ceasefire PA, and we're you know actively educating our own community and um, trying to figure out how we can support um, common sense gun laws. And I am going to take a chance to plug that we do have a December 6th um, open to the public Zoom program where we're going to meet with Pam Delisio and um, our representative and um, with Adam Garber of Ceasefire to talk about what's ahead for the new mm -hmm. legislative session. Oh, that is great. And thank you. And also all of you plug away. That is completely fine, Elisa. <laughs> Yeah, we, we're not um, officially partnered with anyone, uh -huh. but um, like I said, we do have we have a list of lots of uh, organizations on on the website, and Anne probably I'll put you on the spot. I mean, you've gotten involved in so much. I mean, do you want to just maybe tick off some of the because there's some they all have different functions too. There's some that are uh, emotionally support and some, um, well, go ahead, Ann. Sorry. Well, and I think Sonia can probably help me too. Well, I agree ceasefire as a statewide national, um, organization ceasefire is great because they are on the ground. Um, I know a lot of, you know, you see the same people out, um, so you know that they're dedicated mm -hmm. um, to the gun violence issue. Mm -hmm. um, I would say locally, real local, um, the Charles Foundation, um, 
which is at 52nd and Wasilusing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Um, they feed the community, clothe the community. Um, I know pre-COVID they had uh, support groups um, for family members. And let's see, who else? Um, Sonia, I'm putting you on the spot. Alayda <laughs> <laughs> uh, Garcia. Oh, um, right. National Justice mm-hmm. Yes, right. Also, um, I work with Ceasefire as well. Um, uh, there's also the Amir Center up in Germantown with Shante mm-hmm. Love. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of work. Yeah, very much. Um, for, for, for families and boots on the ground. Um, and and there's, um, you know, Moms Bonded by mm. Grief. They, uh, they're more kind of supportive, but they do dip in some areas. They affiliated with some of the uh, state reps and things that try to uh, bring awareness and find solution uh, for for the gun violence, uh, and there really is quite a few of them out there that are really, you know, more mm-hmm. boots on the ground. Um, but with the COVID, you know, it's not a lot of things going mm-hmm. on right now. Uh, the Nomo Nomo Foundation, they're very good. They help bring um that's with Felicia Pimbleton and um her husband they have that foundation and their boots on the ground as well and they work a lot mm-hmm. with the youth and they get them jobs and you know to bring them off the street um to try to show them a different way mm-hmm. of life um and uh so and uh, I do think mo- moms bonded by grief that is a really important group. Um, every day, another family in Philadelphia gets to join the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and moms bonded by grief, I think they have been fabulous in supporting these women, although I'm kind of speaking for them. But Sonia, don't you feel that they're really there with you? Mm. They're, um, they are, um, you know, um, supportive. They try to reach out to new families mm-hmm. coming in, um, just from the news, you know, when you hear about, um, someone mm-hmm. in the news, you know, um, tries to, uh, reach out to the families and, and, and you have to remember guys that it's a lot of families that, shy away from the the groups um we try to reach out to them as much as we can but a lot of people shy away mm-hmm. for their own reasons for their own personal yeah reasons, grief looks so you know? different to everyone um, yes it, yeah it does and it's it's just not easy and um sometimes i have mm. to step away because you have to think it's each day it's someone new coming in and that's another story, and that's reopening and revisiting. And um, the Amir Center is really good with that because they try to um, enforce 
um, healing, mm-hmm. a lot of healing. And, and that's what, you know, that's what yeah. we need. That's, we need things that's not going to yeah. keep us stuck. It's the healing. Um, but some places, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it can keep you, you know, so, but my hat go off to you guys for the work that you do. Um, soul shots, you know, just by keeping our children's memory alive and putting a story, yeah. you know, in a face to um, it says a lot. And you guys, um, the program that you were just talking about, you ladies with the um, the the healing group, mm-hmm. Shahada, um, what you're doing with the youth, I think that is a great way of trying to reach our new generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about the bird, the Sankofa mm-hmm. bird. Um, that Laura on my um, boy's portrait and the meaning of it, um, you know, um, looking back at mm-hmm. your past with moving forward oh, with a purpose. That's so beautiful, Sonia. And yeah, and that's, yeah, uh, what I find myself doing a lot, like I. I have this trauma and this pain, but I have to try to move forward. Yeah. So I kind of leave myself open to affiliate myself with different people that trying to do something yeah. about this. Sonia, I can't um, tell you. Oh, I'm sorry, Sonia. I just can't yeah. tell you. Thank you so much for the comments you just made. I think you just said it all, and as the perfect time to um, – kind of wrap up our conversation just thinking about memorializing and thinking about the healing and thinking about all the amazing work that all of you are doing to create some healing and awareness in our communities and of really valuing the lives that we have all lost. So I just can't tell you how wonderful this conversation has been. Thank you all for joining us. For all the listeners, yeah, thank, thank you. you. This so has been great. <laughs> For all the listeners, please visit soulsshotportraitproject.org. You can also visit the free library of philadelphia.org and look under our blogs, and you'll find more information about um, the exhibit at Logan Library. And on there is actually a link to the Soul Shots Portrait website. Um yeah, I'm just, I'm very honored to have you all on our program today. And I'm so excited that um, the Free Library of Philadelphia, um, the staff at Logan are just so community focused and see the need and are working with all of you. Thank you.